The following sermon is from Redemption Bible Church of New Braunfels, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology, in order to fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. It is good to be with you. If there's one thing that uh, quarantine teaches a person, is uh, we were meant to gather and to sing and to be uh, in uh, God's presence with God's people. And uh, you miss it. Even after a couple weeks, you miss it. You miss being together. So it's good just to hear you sing and uh, to try to add my voice to it. And uh, your singing and our worship of the Lord added uh, strength to my soul and to my body this morning. And so thank you. Thank you for singing. And uh, thanks for worshiping. And thanks for caring for us uh, over the last few weeks. Yeah. Uh, thanks for reaching out. I think because this is such a mystery disease in COVID that uh, when somebody gets it, you're just curious. Like, what, what's it like? And so... Um, <laughs> What did, you, what did you learn? Well, I'm alive, and God is good. If you didn't know, I, yes, I got COVID several weeks ago, and don't worry, I'm back. I'm quarantined and, and fine and not contagious or anything like that. So, um, But uh, I did learn a few things in the midst of it. We're going to get to God's Word, but since uh, many have asked, we're, there was a few things that I learned uh, throughout uh, uh, my quarantine, and I'll just share them uh, briefly with you here. Um, this is just me speaking. It's not the scripture. It's not me preaching. These are just a few lessons for you. The first lesson that I learned is that I'm, I'm unnecessary. Uh, when I went down, I went down hard. My wife stepped up to lead our home, and uh, Cade and the church leaders and others here uh, really stepped up to make ministry just continue right on here without me. And praise God for that, right? Praise God, that's a sign of a healthy, growing church, that this, this uh, doesn't revolve around one man. It doesn't revolve around me. It revolves around Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen? Amen. And so just like a football team, if the quarterback goes down, backup quarterback steps right in, and you want to just continue marching down the field, and that's really what has uh, happened the last few weeks, and praise God for that. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty unnecessary. I'm just going to retire and uh, go and... <laughs> I can't do that. I can't, uh, can't do that yet. But I really am. Second uh, lesson that I learned is I'm vulnerable. I, as much as I think I might be impervious to sickness and disease and I'm still young and strong, I'm vulnerable. Vulnerable to sickness. Vulnerable to weakness. Vulnerable to anxiety. And, uh, and, and experienced all of those things over the last several weeks and even coming back in and reacclimating to public life and all those things. It's, uh, I'm, I'm still I'm vulnerable. But you know what else I've learned in the midst of those two things? It's that God's nearness is my good. He's been so good throughout the midst of it. I've journaled uh, extensively, read extensively, prepared, just had time to, you know, when you're holed up in your bedroom, even away from your family for so long, it's just kind of... Yeah, a lot of time to think and pray and read and things. So um, God's nearness was my good. And, and the last lesson was that uh, God's grace is sufficient. Yeah, you really, you really learn that. You really experience that in the, in the midst of it all. God's grace has been so sufficient. Here I am, uh, an unworthy servant, just doing what I ought. And uh, God has been so kind uh, to me uh, who least deserves it. And so he's been, he's been really good. So thank you uh, for praying. Thanks for caring. And uh, that's, uh, those are just the lessons that I learned. You want to know something else that is today that I was thought of this morning? Totally off my radar. We've been in this building one year now. November 17th of last year was our first service in here. And so we've been in this building uh, for a year now. Praise be to the Lord. Amen. Yeah. 
Praise be to the Lord. And so uh, we're going to, let's let's go to the Bible now. That's what we've done for a year at this place, right? Sunday after Sunday, doesn't matter who stands behind uh, this sacred pulpit, but every Sunday God's word gets delivered here. At least that's what we aim to do. And so uh, this morning, turn in your copy of God's word now to Psalm 96. Let's do that. Psalm 96 is where we'll be as we wrap up our Unafraid series. And we're wrapping it up in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, actually, in, the, in, in this, this particular Psalm, Psalm 96, that the great London preacher of the mid-1800s, his name was Charles Spurgeon, you may have heard of him, but about this Psalm, he called it, he said, it is a grand missionary hymn. A grand missionary hymn. And as we think of the Psalms, we often uh, think of them as worship songs that lead us in praise. Other ones, we think of lament psalms that, uh, that lead us in our lamenting before the Lord. But uh, not very often do we think of them as a missionary or a missional uh, song or a psalm. And Psalm 96 is just that. You know, we set out six weeks ago in this series to strengthen our spiritual muscles in this pillar of ours, the pillar of unafraid witness. We set out to to grow in our boldness for sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and to grow our active love for the lost. And I, I pray that that has happened over these last six weeks. I pray that you have gotten stronger, that you've become more aware, that you've become more bold in talking about Christ and the opportunities that he has given you. And so this pillar of ours, uh, like we say often, these pillars, they hold up our church. They are what make us a vertical church. For when we as God's people collectively, as we devote ourselves to the unapologetic preaching of God's word, to uh, unashamed worship of Jesus Christ, to the unceasing prayers of our Lord and this unafraid witness, it is then that God is present and moving among us by his spirit in a very powerful way where lives are transformed where we become more like Christ and we are sent out. But these pillars, these uh, distinctives of ours are not just like a New Testament reality. Evangelism and witnessing is not just something that the church in this era has been called to do. It has been uh, integral to the followers of the Lord uh, since the very beginning. Witnessing has been vital to following the Lord in every era, for every person, and for every nation. See, if you're taking notes, here's here's the thing. When God's people come into God's presence, they get vocal about it. When God's people, when they come into God's presence, when uh, when God is active and when we are reading the word, when we are worshiping him, we can't help but get vocal about what God is doing and has done in our life. In the same way that if you were to meet a celebrity this afternoon, you would probably post it on social media. You would talk to somebody uh, about it. You would share what you learned from being in their presence. But the same is exponentially true as we meet with the Lord, as we grow in our understanding of the Lord, as as our worship grows in its fervency, we get vocal about it. Our praise goes vertical in song and our proclamation goes horizontal as we witness. And Psalm 96 really lays this out beautifully for us. Psalm 96 gives us words uh, for these things. So look there in your Bibles. I want to read Psalm 96 for us. And uh, and feel free to amen. This is one of those great psalms as as, uh, God has set before us. And so hear God's word now. Psalm 96 says this, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. 
Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. So ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the Lord in, or the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Can I get an amen with that? Isn't that such a glorious psalm? This is God's word for God's people. You know, you read this and it gets you pretty excited, right? We should sing this. We should start singing these verses and things. Well, we actually did. Many of the songs that we chose this morning were born right out of this, uh, out of this psalm here. But the psalms, just like all the scriptures, have context, don't they? They have historical context for which they are written, and Psalm 96 is no different. The, psalm, the psalms are responses to uh, many of the events of the Old Testament. This one written by King David. And you can read about the context back in 1 Chronicles 16 this afternoon. But just kind of as an overview so you know what is happening here, it's a pretty significant moment in the, in the history of Israel. Before this psalm was written, the ark of God that uh, represented the power and presence of God had been taken by the Philistines. And now David is writing this because the ark of God has returned. And so before David, uh, when uh, Samuel rather ruled over Israel as a judge and a spiritual leader, the Philistines had attacked the Israelites and taken the ark of God back to their land. And let's just say it didn't go well for them. Disease broke out, things happened to their God, and, and their God, their statue, their idol was beheaded and all these things, and it didn't go well for them, so that they like gave it back. They take, they're like, we don't want this among us. Bad things are happening. And so they give it back, and then as, uh, and, and it stayed there, it didn't come back to Jerusalem, but it actually went to a, a, a village called Kiriath uh, Jerim, if I'm saying that right, and it stayed there through the reign of King Saul, the first king of Israel. And then as, a, as King David became king, one of his uh, first acts was to bring the ark back to Jerusalem back to the epicenter of the land of Israel and brought it back there. And why was this a big deal? Why was this like his, one of his first acts as a, in his new administration over this land? It wasn't just an idol, but it was rather a symbol. It was a symbol, as I said, of the presence and power of God. It was a reminder of the holiness of God and what he had done to deliver them from the Egyptians and what he had done along the way to be their people. It was their reminder that Israel was distinct and set apart. That God had chosen them to be his people. And so this, uh, this, this, the ark then was that symbolic representation of God's presence among them and his power among them. 
was not to be worshipped, but to lead to greater worship. And so now that David has brought the ark back to Jerusalem, God's presence has returned, and Psalm 96 is part of David's worshipful response to God's presence being returned to Israel. You can find other parts in Psalm 105 and Psalm 106, or go back to 1 Chronicles 16, and you can read about it there. But by pulling out this portion and putting it here in Psalm 96, what David has done is really set before us a vision of what it means to be God's people, how we are to live a worshipful life, how we are to live on mission, how to be God's people, or what we'll call this morning gospel people. Those whom whom live on mission, whose consuming passion is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. It's for us, it's what leads us to this vertical worship and this horizontal witness. As we come into God's presence, we then are vocal about it. And so if you're taking notes, here's really the first point as we work our way through the verses. It's this, gospel people worship with unafraid witness. Gospel people worship with unafraid witness. Look here at verse 1 in Psalm 96 and verse 2 really here. What three times is commanded of God's people? Just look at it there. This is good Bible study stuff. Repetition should point, uh, it should be an, an alert to us of something important. And so what are we told to do three times in these verses? We are to sing and sing what? To the Lord. That's good. You can talk to me. It's okay. I know we haven't talked in a few weeks, but you can talk to me this morning, all right? Three times we're told to sing to the Lord. And that action and direction are very important. The singing here is the language of the heart and the mind. It is the combination of our intellect and our emotions. As our truth, as the truth of who God is, of what he's done, the truth of the scriptures, as it floods our mind, it overflows from the heart to where we sing then to the Lord. And it's to him. The direction there is very important. We sing to God about God, and the songs that we sing to the Lord are different than love songs, are different than tractor songs, are different than any other kind of songs that may, we may sing about. You know what a tractor song is. We sing to God about God. We sing about who he is, what he's done. We sing about how great he is. And as we're told this three times over and over, then it gives us a little bit more context here. We're to sing to the Lord. Look at the first phrase there, a new song. We're to sing to the Lord a new song. Is King David now, a thousand, uh, about 1,500 years ago or so, and this, or longer than that, 2,500 years ago or so as he's writing this, is David weighing in on the modern debate of contemporary versus hymn singing? No, he's not. He's not weighing in on that. See, the, when we're told to sing to the Lord a new song, he's not, it's, it's not about when the song was written. As if we need to be singing something out of a hymnal or something that was written 500 years ago versus five minutes ago is something more worshipful to the Lord. It's not about when, but it's about why. See, we sing new songs to the Lord that is representative of our growing faith in the Lord. And as we learn new things about the Lord, as our, as our understanding of who He is and His character grows, as we walk through uh, uh, different seasons of life and we see the goodness and the faithfulness and the trustworthiness of God, it leads us to sing new songs, irregardless of when they were written, but songs that are true about Him. And so as we grow, we are learning new things. We sing then new songs to the Lord. But who's to sing then? Well, that's what the next phrase talks about. We're to sing to the Lord, uh, just a few people, no, all the 
earth. All the earth is to sing to the Lord. As verse 7 will go on and say, to ascribe to the Lord or give credit to him, to give what is due to the Lord. O families of the people, you get the sense that it is all, every person in the world is to sing to the Lord. And see, the reality is if all the, how many ever billion people, seven billion, I think they estimate now, I don't remember, uh, seven billion people, if we were all to join our voices to sing to the Lord this morning in song, singing to him, holy, 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 even still, it would not be enough to describe the worth and holiness of our God. But we are sure going to give it a try this morning, aren't we? Sunday after Sunday, every time we gather as this uh, uh, little church here, we are going to sing to the Lord as he uh, brings to mind what, who he is and what he has done. We're going to tell the Lord every Sunday, you've done it. You've saved us. You are good. You are sanctifying and redeeming a people for your own possession. And so why do we sing? We sing, we're all to sing, and what are we to say? We're to bless his name. To bless his name just means to tell him that, God, there's none like you. There's none who has a greater reputation than you. There's none who compares to you and we bless you for it. We praise you for it. We give you the glory for it. We're to sing of his salvation, it says, to tell of his salvation all the time, to tell of the gospel, that it is the solution to every problem. It is the salvation is what we need for every situation. And so we sing the gospel. We preach the gospel, we tell the gospel, we share the gospel, we whisper the gospel, we shout the gospel, and we are vocal about it day after day. See, we're to tell of his salvation from day to day. Here's the reality, church. Here's the truth. There's not a day that goes by in your life that the gospel should not leave your lips. Every day whether it is to yourself and you wake up in the morning and you spend time with the Lord and you remind yourself of what Christ has done for you. As you share with your family, as you share with your friends, day by day, we tell of his salvation. And so don't miss the connection in these verses. Don't miss the connection here of where we're going, that unashamed worship and, un- or unashamed worship and unafraid witness are intimately linked. Our singing tells the story of salvation. Our worship tells of what God has done. It is a witness to others around us, and God gets the glory, and others take notice. And so I asked this this morning, what story does your worship tell? As you sing the life that you live, the decisions that you make, the things that you are devoted to, what story does your life of worship tell? One of how great you are? One of great promises that you will make to the Lord or one of a great Savior. A great, th- great promises that He has made. A celebration of who He is. Does it tell the story? Does your worship tell the story that God is holy? That He is the Creator? That He is uh, uh, perfect and right? He is faithful and upright? Does it tell the story that a sin has separated us? That what we have done has caused a separation between us and God and that we've lived a sinful life, not only offending the people around us, but offending our holy God, our creator. And we found ourselves born into a pickle, a solution that we could not get out of, stuck between the proverbial rock and a hard place, but exponentially worse, not able to get out of it. But for Christ, who then stood in our place, Does your worship tell the story of Christ standing in your place? Living the life that you could not live and dying the death that you were supposed to die. 
and tell that story. Is, is, is your worship, tell the story of a great God. And that by repenting and believing of turning from our old way of life and believing that Christ is our only hope for salvation, that we can then walk in newness of life. Both here and now, thinking different ways and, and, and feeling different things and doing different things with our time and our talent. And he has caused us to walk in a way that is set apart, that goes against the tide, that follows in line with the scripture. And then we have hope for eternity, a hope for eternal life, walking with the Lord. And maybe you've heard these things before. Maybe you, you recognize this morning. You can give an assent to, yeah, God is holy. Yes, I'm full of sin. Christ is, is the great Savior. But you've never taken that step to repent of your sin, to believe on Christ. You've never submitted yourself in holiness to the rule and reign, the lordship of Jesus Christ, to walk in newness of life. And you've realized that your life has not followed a pattern of Christ-likeness. Full of anxiety, it's full of sin, it's full of fear. It's full of doing whatever you want to do with your own time. It's full of pride, boasting what you've accomplished. This morning, the Spirit of God is at work in your heart, calling you to repentance, calling you to believe on Christ. And I would call you to, to follow the Spirit's prompting this morning. Humble yourself. You can pray even now. You can believe on Christ, and today can be a day of salvation. November 15, 2020 can be a change, and an entire change in direction for your life. Don't let, it, don't let today go by. You know, we've pointed to this, this gospel truth, these simple points week after week. You probably got one of these little cards as you walked in. Did you get one? If not, you're pretty sneaky. Will's a pretty good uh, usher out there. If you didn't get one or you want some more, we have these for you. Why we printed these up as the series comes to a close is we want you to remember it. It's going to be a bookmark in my Bible for me so I can rehearse these truths. Um, it'll be here ready so I can give it away to people. If you want some more to take to your home, to take to your workplace, to take to school or whatnot, you can have just grab some more. There's some there. There's some at the connection table. But we've printed these up to help bring us back to these gospel truths day after day, that we can tell of his salvation day to day, that our worship can be linked with our unafraid witness. But here's the second point, and here's how the text goes on. Gospel people also work with unafraid witness. Gospel people work with unafraid witness. So like we just said, being in his presence leads us to proclaim or to declare his glory. Faith has always been vocal. And so when we read verse 3 here, there's a command here to declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. See, the, the Jewish people of David's day uh, were to declare these things among the nations just as we are today. They were not to be just an isolated, uh, kind of quarantined people away from the rest of the world. Sure, they were to live a different life. Yes, they were to uh, live in the holiness of God, but they were to tell of the glory of God among the nations. They were to make sure the nations knew what God had done uh, for them amongst the Egyptians and amongst any other enemy. They were to know that God had been uh, present among these people and that they too, they too could follow the Lord. And so a verse like verse 3 here is really like the great commission of the Old Testament. Our great commission, what motivates us and drives us as a church, what leads and guides our mission, 
what Jesus told his disciples there before uh, at the end of Matthew 18 and before he ascends into heaven, he tells them to do what? To go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them what? To obey all that Christ commanded. And though he goes with us, always, even to the very end of the age. This is what drives us. This is our passion as God's people. This is our mission as gospel people. And it is much like what they were called to do. It is God's people have always been uh, commanded and commissioned to live on mission, to take this good news of what God has done to all the nations, for us to open up our mouths, to say, as verse 10 tells us, to say among the nations, the Lord reigns. I like that little word, like, yes! Right? The world is established, shall never be moved, and he will judge the peoples with equity. See, this is what we are to tell. And while, you know, while we may wonder who will reign over America in 2021, you know, let me just assure you this morning, there is no question for that of who forever reigns over the entire earth. There's no question about who reigns over the entire world. And there's too many people here. If anything, these days have revealed to us our great gospel opportunity as too many people are looking for salvation in a man, in a system, in a party. But we have an opportunity right now to declare the marvelous works of God among all the peoples, don't we? Among all the peoples. But we got work to do. We got work to do, don't we, church? We, got, we have uh, some work to do as a, as a corporate body and individually. So we have a work to do corporately as we commit as God's people, as a church, to plant more churches. We want to see vibrant, healthy, growing churches all over the world. As God would give us an opportunity regionally, nationally, and internationally. As we look to plant churches here uh, in our region. And as we continue to be involved in the ends of the earth and in Haiti and harvest Haiti there. And in 2021, look to get involved in Dublin and the planting of that church that is there. We have work to do, church. We also have work to do individually, don't we? Individually, as we talk about God's work to save us, as we tell of his salvation from day to day, as we talk about God's ongoing work to transform us, to sanctify us. And let me just tell you, this is our easiest and most effective way to talk about the Lord, to be unafraid in our witness, is just to tell the story of what God has done and is doing in your life to bring it up in conversation, to, to, uh, to, to bring it up as you're having a dinner or coffee with somebody, to talk about it with your spouse, your kids, your friends, to talk about the Lord reigning, to be ready to just tell the story. You know, a few weeks ago, I asked this question, does bold describe how you talk about Jesus? And I think that resonated with many of us. This morning, I ask a similar question. Does, does ready describe how you talk about Jesus? Are you ready and eager in season, out of season? When you're caught off guard, when you're prepared, are you ready to talk about what the Lord has done day to day in your life? We have work to do, church, don't we? We have a truth to tell. We have, uh, we have truth to declare, a story to declare. We have a mission to advance. As a pastor, there's two kind of common objections I get when we put uh, evangelism before our, uh, before our people. There's two common objections. I'm too scared and I don't know what to say. Anybody been there? I've been there too. So 
We all, we all kind of feel these things. I'm, I, I'm afraid and I don't know what to say. And I hope that, that really because of the uh, emphasis in this series that you've grown in your boldness. And as we've uh, looked at passage after passage to see that uh, we're just called to be faithful. The results are in the Lord's hands. We are just faithful to declare these things. We're just faithful to live a godly life. We're just faithful to worship God and he gets the glory regardless of the uh, outcome. That's in the Lord's hands. And so I pray that that has infused you with courage. And, and we've tried to give you the words to say through this series. That's why we just simplified the gospel and made these things, these five simple points. But there are some other things that we can talk about. And it's really where the uh, remainder of the chapter takes us. Is where the remainder of the chapter gives us just uh, conversational pieces on roads to the gospel. And it's really what these following verses say. And here's the third point. It's that gospel people walk with unafraid witness. Gospel people walk with unafraid witness. Now, you've probably seen as you're taking notes the points here. Yeah, it's uh, what we talk about an authentic disciple, one who worships Christ, walks with Christ, and works for Christ. And in the midst of all of these is a part of our witness. And so as we ourselves walk with Christ... As we ourselves are, are, are following Christ and growing in our relationship with Him, we believe these things that verses 4 through 6 tell us. And, and because we believe them and because we see them uh, uh, working out in our own life, we then tell others about it. And so what is it? Well, look at verse 4. We just tell people, hey, God is great. You're talking about how great an athlete is or how great situation is, you know, in a very winsome way. You can talk about, well, let me tell you how, about my God who's greater. And he then, secondly, he deserves our highest praise, right? Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. There's just some great conversation pieces here. You can also tell people he's, God is to be feared. He's to be submitted to. He's the, he's the ruler over the entire universe. And so he's to be feared above all gods. Our God reigns, and as such, he's to be feared. And here's the other thing. You can tell him, hey, your idols are worthless. Now, he maybe could be, you know, less blunt with it. Yeah, that's an idol, and it's worthless. Yeah. He, he, the conversation may end there. Maybe, and maybe there's a right way to, to say it just as blunt as that. But what, what does it say here? All the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. And so as we begin to see our idols in our nation, these cultural idols, these individual idols come crashing down, what an opportunity that we have as we see that our God is to be feared above all gods. The one who then also, here's the end of verse 5, but the God, God made the universe. He made, he made the heavens. He's made everything that we see. As you're appreciating nature and as you're pre appreciating created things, Here's a way that you can talk about unafraid witness as you are walking with the Lord and seeing this play out. Verse 6, you can tell people that God is the perfect king. He's the perfect combination of splendor and majesty. You see that? It says before him, there's none like him in all of his, on all of the, the, the splendor, the power, the, the beauty of the Lord that is before him, his royalty. There's none like him, none compared to him, none have uh, the, the, the wealth and the possessions and the power that our God has. The same is true of strength and beauty here are in a sanctuary. You get a picture of, of Isaiah 6 and that throne room vision that Isaiah had here. But God is like, you, you put these two together, the strength and beauty, and you begin to see the glory of God. He's not just powerful and, uh, you know, just like a big, strong man without any brains or wisdom or intellect. 
He's not just a, a, a beautiful uh, 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 God or a beautiful figure without any intellect or strength or power to enact it, but God is the perfect combination of both strength and beauty, and as such, He deserves our highest praise. To ascribe to Him the glory, to be glad and to rejoice, to let the fields exalt. Because God is uh, all of these things and much more. This is just a brief description here. This is why the heavens are glad. This is why we in the earth rejoice. This is why the sea roars. All of these uh, big, mighty expressions of praise are just one way to worship our great God. And so all of these things, as we think about, well, what do we talk about? What do we do? Well, here's some great conversation starters. So that person that you've been praying for, that person you've been inviting to church, the person that you've been seeking up unafraid opportunities with, whether it's a friend, a family member, a coworker. Here's just a challenge. Make it a point this week to uh, bring up one of these things this week in a conversation. As you meditate on verses uh, 4 to 6 and, and who God is and what he has done, just make it a point to, uh, to, to very intentionally uh, bring something like this up. I had an opportunity over the last few weeks to uh, talk about how the Lord is the creator, how he made the heavens and the earth. And one of the many things that happened during our quarantine was our dog had a litter of puppies. It was planned, don't worry, we've, uh, you know, they're purebred uh, Britney Spaniels, and, uh, and so we had a, a great litter, and it's actually God's kindness to be home in quarantine, because man, let me tell you, a litter of puppies is a lot of work, um, but I had an opportunity just to, to talk about uh, the things of the Lord with somebody as we were just uh, uh, marveling at the instinct of a mother dog. How she just took right to labor, right to caring for these puppies. She's known exactly what to do. And she didn't have any of those like pre-pregnancy classes that, that you know, parents take. She didn't have a doula. She didn't have doctors. She didn't have any uh, discipleship. No, no older uh, mother dog training her what to do. God has just input in his wisdom, the instinct for a dog to do this. And it was a great, uh, just one of those maybe random, but very specific ways to just come and talk about the goodness of God over creation and how he has reigned even uh, down and, and created and providentially worked out all things even in uh, even into animal life and so i just challenge you how can how can you look for an opportunity like that how can you take a, advantage of these things as you are walking with christ and growing in your love for him and using that then as an opportunity as an inroad as an on-ramp into uh, having a gospel conversation and now, even as I challenge you with that, I know how many of us think in the room. I know how many of us think as, as believers that you hear a challenge like that and you put it on the to-do list, don't you? You think about all the other responsibilities that you have, all the good things that God has given you to do uh, in your life, your family, your friends, fun, uh, work, school, whatever it is, and you put mission as another item on the list. Right? When I say mission, I, I really use that as the summation of all these things, of our pillars, of, of living uh, as an unafraid witness, of worshiping, walking, and working for Christ. And we, are, we see the mission, and we just put it as a, another uh, item on the list. And now, granted, we think it's pretty important, right? And so I have an illustration for you here to help kind of capture what I think uh, holds many of us back here. I should have been more like a magician, right? But I won't do that. And so we view life, we view mission. And so I've just given you a challenge, and it looks kind of like this. It's a box. 
You're thinking you're putting it in, in your life. It's a, a to-do list. And now you're thinking, okay, well, I've got many things to do this week. I've got work. That's pretty important, right? Another box here. I've got, I've got work to do. So, okay, I'm going to stack this up here because got, I've got mission. I've got work. And, you know, I've got school uh, also. I'm a student. And so I've got this. Or my kids have school. And, man, there's a lot going on. And so, um, so I've got to add it to my to-do list because I'm going to put mission in there. And, you know, I've got my family. And I, I need to spend some time with the family this week with my kids. Or, um, you know, my parents are coming in town. I've got to get things ready for them. And we start to, you know, stack it up here. And, and you know what? I've got some fun scheduled this week too, right? Like I got to have some fun because there's a, you know, we can't, can't miss out on fun and got some, got some things planned, some recreation, my hobby, I'm fishing or something. So I got to add it in here, but I got to make time. Mission's a little bit bigger and got to spend some time with friends and, you know, I'm going to stack this up and because I love to spend time with my friends and I don't want to neglect them this week. And we begin to like manage our schedule and our margins in our life, the time like this. And oh man, I gotta, but I also have to go to church on Sunday and make time for that and, and serve. And I'm on kids, redemption kids this week. And you know, and I gotta make sure I have the schedule. And all of a sudden, you can't, uh, and like our whole life just kind of crumbles like that, doesn't it? We can't, we, we view it and we're like, you know what, I can't like, uh, all right, Pastor Blair, that's my life right now. I know I'm supposed to live on mission, and I just can't add another thing to it. But see, church, if we're, if, we're, if we're viewing mission, if we're viewing what God has called us to do like this, it, 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 we just drop it. We get discouraged, and we, we just want to quit, don't we? tried. We tried to balance it all, and then I've got more responsibilities. I think, yeah, that's just seven, and I also have this and this and this that I have to add into my life. I can't, I can't add another thing here, but if we're thinking of our life as separate boxes like this that we all have to manage, and they're, they're all like these separate things here, then we're viewing it all wrong. See, mission is what we are designed for. Living for Christ is, is, uh, is our consuming passion that, that we were designed to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Now, worshiping Christ, walking with Christ, working for Christ is the driving mindset behind everything that we do as followers of Christ. See, mission isn't another item that we try to hold up, but it's actually what holds everything together. See, as we think of mission, what is carrying all these things, then all of a sudden now as we begin to put the responsibilities that God has given us and we start to view it as mission, as a mission field, as something that God has given us to be influential, to be unafraid, whether we're at church, work, school, no matter who we're with, family and friends, now all of a sudden when our mindset has become biblical, life becomes more manageable. Make, it becomes more sense. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God and God's people around us, now our life all of a sudden makes sense. It's much more efficient. We start seeing things as mission of what God has called us to do. And so when, when we're seeing it here now, all of a sudden, like our life goes vertical. Our life has purpose. Our life doesn't fall apart when something unexpected or traumatic even happens. Because we see it now as God would have us uh, uh, see these, each of these responsibilities. It's a purpose, with vertical purpose. And you know what also happens when, we, when we, we put these things into the right perspective? 
when we see that it is the great commission that holds us all together, it keeps us from all of these great things, these responsibilities, these worthy causes that God has given us, it keeps them from becoming in themselves worthless idols. See, worthy causes make worthless idols. We can't ask work, we can't ask family, we can't ask friends, we can't ask church, we can't ask our recreation, our hobbies to be and do what only God can be and do in our life. And so when we have this right, when our unafraid witnesses before us, as we are walking with Christ, as we see all of the responsibilities that God has given us as opportunities for mission of living with a witness, then they're not messiahs that we're looking to save us but they are mission fields that God has employed us in. The beauty is when we have all these things rightly ordered, not perfectly, but when we have it rightly ordered, then we have that triple win that we've talked about through this series. God is praised, we are blessed, and others are influenced. And that's what we want. We want that triple win. God is praised and glorified. We uh, receive the blessing, and others are then influenced with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so as we walk with unafraid witness, as we walk uh, with a rightly ordered life, bringing all these things, viewing them as mission that God has given us to make disciples, to glorify his name, then others are impacted as well. Others uh, are impacted. And so our walk with Christ is intimately linked with our witness for Christ. And then our walk becomes just like the heavens and earth of verses 11 through 13. They become full of joy and gladness and exultation. They become full of hopeful expectation of Christ's return, where he will come and make all things right. Isn't that what we look for? Where he will come and, as it says, he will be a judge, a judge that needs no examination and no confirmation. For his righteousness and his faithfulness are impeccable. Always have been, always will be. And so, church, as we witness to these truths, as we worship Christ, you know, this witnessing, this evangelism, this being influential for the glory of God, it's always been integral to following the Lord for every, in every era, every person, and for every nation. When God's people come into God's presence, they get vocal about it. We talk about it. We tell uh, of his salvation. We sing to the Lord. We declare his glory. We ascribe to him. We open our mouths and God gets the praise that he deserves. Our praise goes vertical and our proclamation goes horizontal, right? And so that's, how we're, uh, that's why we're here. That's why we're opening God's word. It's why we're going to sing now in just a moment. We're going to do exactly what verses 2 and 3 tell us now. We're going to sing to the Lord and bless his name. We're going to tell of his salvation from day to day. And we're going to declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples. Amen? Amen. Join me now and let's pray together. God in heaven, here we are. We're your people. And uh, this is... uh, uh, this, this is exciting, it's, it's thrilling, and it's also uh, a bit daunting, Lord, as we think of uh, what you've done and what you are doing. Lord, we, we just confess that we uh, can be fearful, we, can, uh, we don't always know what to say, but our eyes are looking to you now. And so help us in this, help us to be gospel people, help us to be uh, uh, mindful of the mission. We need your help in that. Lord, we need your spirit to go before us. We need your word to guide us. We be surrounded by uh, your people. And so even now, God, as we, uh, as we sing, as we worship, 
We want to tell of your salvation. Remind our hearts first of this now, Lord. Help us to call to mind your great faithfulness, to remember uh, what you've done for us to save us and how you are still alive and active in, uh, in this world, even now. So we tell you, you're worthy, Lord. You're, you're holy. There's none like you. So receive our praise. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Church, would you stand?